This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience. Today I have with me Dr. Lynette Louise, known as the Brain Broad, Brain Change and Brain Behavior Expert. Hey, how are you? I'm fine and thank you so much for sharing your audience with me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. So let's just jump into the interview. So let me uh, hear a little bit about kind of your story. I'm sure your personal and professional tie into each other, um, how you ended up in 2019 where you kind of started? I always love that question because I am in my 60s. It's a big story and it doesn't fit into an abridged uh, <laughs> an abridged question. But um, what I should do is write a book and title it uh, the story of my life and then you, or too much story to tell and then you open it up and it says, imagine this, you're me and you lived a great and adventurous life. The end. <laughs> but... Um, all right, very quickly, I started out a, in a home where it was extremely uh, strict would be a nice word. It was quite abusive, and that confused my picture because I had some weird behaviors, but it felt like it was related to my home and or was you know my home acting that way to me because I had these weird behaviors. It was kind of a constant circling question in my head. But I did know that I wanted to save children and I didn't want children to have the life that I did. And that really began a very long and circuitous story of me, you know, having children, uh, adopting children, husbands running away because it was too much work. And my kids were, the ones that I adopted were multiply handicapped. So it was a lot of work, no, no doubt about it. Um, and, and there were no answers, especially for the autism part of their challenges. So back then, they just didn't know anything. And I had to kind of sort of figure it out. So here I am. I was a little weird. And I eventually get diagnosed with Asperger's. And I go, oh, okay, so we, we just all have to get better together. And, uh, and that sort of led me into discovering what worked and what didn't work and trusting my instincts, sometimes not quick enough, but eventually just solving each thing myself and educating. And um, I, my education is really all over the map. It was, you know, I just got my doctorate now. Um, I was never after that. I was always just after the knowledge. So if the knowledge I was getting in the course I was in didn't work for me, I'd just leave. Um, and that led to 2019, a very outspoken person who's been very successful with her children and many children and many adults around the world at this point. Um, just to be clear of all of the handicapped children, only one remains challenged and at home. Okay, yes, I, I commend you on that. Like we spoke earlier, me and my wife are doing foster to adopt. So we currently have two children in our home. So I can only imagine with that amount of kids in the home, how uh, hectic it must have been. 
Oh yeah, it was very hectic, um, especially when it, I got three at one time because they were three natural siblings and they were all multiply handicapped. So three at one time, just imagine it, and each one of them worth at least five kids. So it was it was really really hectic, but also really wonderful. I love being busy, so you know. Yeah, I agree. Um... Uh, my two foster children, uh, one just turned two and one's three and a half. So they're a handful, but a blessing. And I can't imagine not having that kind of chaotic element in my life right now. Yeah, chaotic, but but joyful and rich. And it's awesome when they're sleeping and quiet. <laughs> all yeah, of it the, really is. Yeah, all of the great um, intangible things that come from parenting are worth doing. So some of the stuff you've done professionally, obviously you've mentioned your education. How did you fit that in or juggle that with, you know, the kids and the home life? Truth is that's, um, well, first I, I did a couple of things that were just intense. So, you know, jumped into courses that were intense and, and managed to extricate myself from the kids by getting proper daycare and that sort of thing for a couple months um, and going back and forth and being very, very busy and everything falling apart and then going back and fixing it. So there was a lot of kind of jump out, jump in, jump out, jump in, um, which had many challenges and also probably helped me to refresh just by changing hats. So there was that, but most of the really uh, constant educating happened uh, distance education. So as the internet came along, then that became much easier and much more doable and you could do it that way and before that it was these sort of intensive periods and then i'd stop and start and stop and start so i got to be a doctor at 62 or 61 i guess well, congratulations on that i don't know it's interesting um becoming a, a doctor actually separated me more from all the moms that realized i was sort of a hands-on learner teacher and it made me more in the other camp that is sometimes the enemy. So it's been an interesting challenge to make that work as well as not being a doctor did. Um, I'm fortunately at an age where I'm trying to pull back and do more speaking and more book writing and all of that. So it's a little bit okay, but I actually think it was better before I got letters after my name. Yeah, I think... Uh... I think the journey is a lot more uh, satisfying than the destination a lot of the time as well. Yeah, and it just made me more on the team of the, I'm still on their team, but they view me with a little, parents, you know, view me with a little bit of that, oh great, she's an expert and she's gonna tell us everything we're doing wrong. And in fact, they're hiring me to tell them everything they're doing wrong, so, <laughs> right? So I am, but um, I'm, I'm gonna do it from a place of, love and having been there and that they always knew before and they don't always know now I have to remind them. So what is kind of the process you you've worked with kids and work with kids um, in terms of evaluating them and diagnosing them and that kind of thing? Yeah I don't do that. I'm not the diagnostician. In fact I'm not allowed to be a diagnostician doesn't mean I can't spot things when I see them but um, what I am is the the optimizer, right? So I work as a neurotherapist. I work as a play therapist. Um, I work with adults who have Parkinson's, adults who have Alzheimer's, adults who have stroke. So I'm not just with children, but my uh, my main 
or my specialty. My greatest specialty is autism and second to that is uh, people who have suffered domestic violence or sexual abuse. So that tends to be young people, but not always. And the process is I go to their home. I, you know, they've heard about me because I did good work somewhere else and uh, they hire me and I go to their home and I look at the brains of the people because I work with the EEG um, the brainwave activity and, and help them to reorganize how that's functioning. And then I look at how the whole family's working together and the ways in which they're reinforcing the problems, the way in, in which they're actually being helpful. I shore them up on that, keep that and, and change the rest. And we start and then I do the rest. I, it's an intensive, I'm there for three to five days. And then I fly home and be with my family. So I'm still doing that jump out, jump in thing. And um, and then I do the rest from the internet. Yeah, that seems like uh, very rewarding in terms of, you know, what you've done your whole life and just the process of working and, you know, rebuilding these individuals. Yeah, it's uh, it's rewarding. But, you know, you don't really look at you don't I don't look at it that way I'm very in the present or I couldn't do the job sometimes I'm literally trying to get someone to say a sound for three hours straight so you really have to be very very much in the presence the joy and the reward has to come from that not you know often when people say it's rewarding they they think of it like you're looking back on all the good you did if you if I would spend too much time with that I won't have enough energy for the present moment so the rewards happening moment to moment yeah it's, that's really interesting it's also good advice for all parents by the way <laughs> yeah that, that is very true especially like when I have toddlers now that you yeah. should kind of appreciate in the moment thing because you don't know what's gonna you know happen or where they're yeah. gonna deviate <laughs> to in, in the next right? hour and they may never say thank you. So if you're doing this for a thank you, you're on the wrong train. Yeah, that's true. So what's one thing that you've basically faced or had as a challenge or you've seen somewhat of a, you know, a, a personal hurdle that you've turned into a, uh, a success? I would say it's a combination of having been somewhat of a literal thinker and very blunt person. So there's a need let's go with the bluntness so I was very blunt which is often misunderstood and and in fact everybody says if you're on the spectrum of autism you can't lie and it's not true at all but you're blunt you don't have the same filter and you don't have the same layers of sophistication for understanding when to say something when not to say something your lies are very self-motivated so that bluntness though once i learned to use it in a way that was more savvy more sophisticated um, is very useful because i have to tell people in their homes in their families i have to say things like well when you use that tone of voice you actually are causing him to have a sensory meltdown so you probably would like you know like I have to break into what they do and say well there when you did that that caused this and I need to do that and that old bluntness allows me to I never close that gate completely but um, I need to do that with care and gentleness and understanding and that required growth so that's the thing that 
started out as a problem and ended up as a great blessing. It's one of the things they do really well is give feedback. No, no, it's really awesome. And I think kind of everything's a building block in that sense as well over time. Right, right. So in terms of tying, obviously you gave a little bit about your background. Um, Are there any other motivations that have gotten you into the profession that you're in? Well, getting into the profession was people asking me. Um, Really, my motivation is now and always has been to help my family. But I also really don't like to see people hurt and harmed by the the medical field, the, the educational field. Um, and so I was always open to helping other people, but I was afraid of it. I didn't want to love on a, on a child that much and then not be able to do the whole journey with them. That was the advantage to adopting them, right? And my job now, I have to love on them so hard to get them motivated and get them doing stuff, but then give them back to their families or the group home or whatever. And that I was really not sure I had the ability for because I don't let go that easily. Um, But I do. It turned out that, you know, that I could do that really well, actually, by embracing the entire family and just loving them all. So... Yeah, I, I became this professional because people asked me to do for their children what I did for mine. In fact, I'm about to have a young man from Lebanon join me for four months because the family wants that. They want me to do for him what I've done for my kids and I need time and I need him with me. Um, so that's that's always sort of led to my profession and getting educated was just me trying to know more. Yeah, in terms of kind of that uh, giving back or letting go, we're actually experiencing a permanency hearing with the two foster children we have now that we were hoping, obviously, to adopt. So we're just trying to uh, deal with the fact that, you know, we've raised them for 10, 11 months and, you know, worked on some of the, the problems they had and then basically sending back to the same environment that they came from. It's really scary. It's really scary, but nobody can take away the parts you put in. And that's kind of what you hold on to when you're at a permanency hearing and you pray that you get permanency. <laughs> so good luck on that. Thank you. So what's one piece of advice, personal or professional that you can give the audience? Um, I usually say, you know, just trust your instincts because too often we give ourselves over to someone simply because they have degrees. But I think what I'd like to put in here is to remember the toolbox. So when you go to a professional, for let, let, let me put this in this way. Let's say you think, oh, I wonder if I have bipolar and you go to a doctor that would check you for bipolar and that's a doctor whose job it is to prescribe medicine. Don't complain that all they did was prescribe medicine. When you go to a professional that's an electrician, you expect him to open his toolbox and pull out the stuff to fix your electrical wiring. So if you go to a professional who prescribes pills, then expect pills. If you go to a professional that uh, prescribes uh, habits and hard work and talk therapy, then expect that. Remember that you're going to someone that you've chosen Look at the toolbox they have and make sure that's in alignment with what you're looking for. No, that makes a lot of sense in terms of kind of getting everything together. 
And my next question is, in terms of motivation, you already mentioned, obviously, your your family is a big driver in that. Do you have any other motivations that kind of drive you to succeed and, you know, help and do the things that you do currently? Well, I think the answer to that is that I only do things that I've chosen to do. So I don't, even as a child, I was very much like that. If I choose to do it, then I want to complete it. If someone else tells me I'm supposed to do it, I probably won't finish it. (laughs) So, in fact, I might not even get to the middle. So I do the things I choose to do. I do what I'm motivated for already, stuff that interests me. I finish the books I write because I love to write. And I decided, wow, this would be a great book. It would really help people. And that made me so motivated that I wanted to get to the end. Uh, When I accept a client, I even set up my business where if I don't actually help them enough that they don't need me anymore, I'll go broke because I get my money at the front end and then help them for free for life. So they need to get better. And so I set myself up to always be motivated because I'm only choosing to do what I want to do. I like that hard work at the beginning. So that's where I put all the energy and then I need them to have gotten far enough that that they then take off. So that's true of everything. It's true when I do a CD, when I write a a comedy show about the brain. I have a very eclectic um, set of skills and I use them all and I don't use anybody else's skills or borrow and, and say, okay, I'll do what you think I should do. I just don't do that. I won't. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that's uh, a lot of people lose uh, touch with that. They do a lot of things that they actually hate and don't realize it until, you know, later in life and then they switch professions or in general. Yeah. Or they think that's how life is supposed to be and wait to retire. And then when they retire, they look back and say, wow, I, I didn't like any of my life. I mean, how's that? Yeah, no, that's not my plan. Yeah, and I'm, and doing what you love, I think those those memories are even richer because you have those uh, emotional tie-ins with that knowledge along the way that you kind of retain, and they're a little richer in terms of my opinion. Right, and you love it, so why would you stop doing it? If you don't stop doing it, you're going to succeed at it. So that's kind of a recipe for success right there. Yeah, and I think there's that cliche thing, if you do what you love, it's not work. It, I mean, it really isn't work if you're passionate about it. Right, exactly. Exactly. I was writing anyway. I was playing with kids anyway. I was fixing brains anyway. I, I mean, I was passionate about that since I was a kid. So. Well, it's really awesome. And I really appreciate your time and you coming on. I appreciate you having me on. So let the listeners how they can find you. You know, I'm everywhere. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. You just put the brain broad and Lynette Louise and you'll find me. But my website, my new website is brainbroad.com. But there's also lynettelouise.com and brainbody.net. And as long as you're not one of those people who's only a fake person, I accept all friends that request me on Facebook. So I'm findable. That's awesome. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.